So I'm real excited. We're going to be picking up uh, where we left off on a, uh, last week on a brand new message that we started a couple weeks back. Uh, we're going to continue that message and resume it. And the title of that message is Out of the Grave. Y'all say that with me? Out of the Grave. So we kicked this off on Easter, which was a couple weeks ago already. And so we've just been, been opening God's Word and diving into God's promises and looking at Easter with, with a, a, a broad broad look at what Easter really is and what it means for the church and for believers and Christians all around the world. And we celebrated that Jesus left the tomb, right? The tomb is empty because our God's alive, right? And because our God's alive, that means you and I can live. Hey, and not just in the afterlife. He doesn't want you just to get your fire insurance, right? He doesn't want you just, 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 to, just to get into heaven. He, he desires for you to, to, to enter in the gates of heaven one day, but he wants you to be on fire for God now. Say that word with me, now. He, he wants you to have a real abundant life, real abundant joy, real abundant peace, real abundant love, all the characteristics of God and who He is, and the characteristics of, of the Son of God, Jesus, and who He is. And so, because Jesus came out of the grave, so can you and I, right? God wants to resurrect, revive every area of our lives, physically. He's our healer who believes God still heals. He can heal you if, if you're here today sick, or you got a loved one that's battling an illness, or battling disease, or battling sickness, He's a healer. He wants to revive us physically. He wants to revive us spiritually. He wants to bring you from dead to life, from being spiritually blind to, to spiritual sight, right? Spiritually deaf to the things and truth of God, to, to being revived back to life, supernaturally resensitized to seeing and experiencing the world the way God sees the world and what God says over the world and how God experiences the world. He wants to revive us relation, re relationally. Some of us have some bad relationships that are, that, that are not life-giving, right? He wants to revive you relationally. If you're married, he wants to revive you so you can be a better husband, be a better uh, wife, be, be a better father, be a better mother. Whatever relationships you currently have, he wants to make you better. He doesn't just want to make you better. He wants to bring you from dead to life, right? Because Jesus came, went from dead to life, he wants us to come from from being spiritually dead to life. Without Jesus Christ, every person, every single person on the planet is a dead man, dead woman walking. Just going through the motions. Just mundane life. You get up, you go to work. You, you get up, you take care of the kids. You, you, you get up, you do this. You get up, you do that. And you're, you're just walking dead. You're just that perpetual mouse on that, that perpetual uh, wheel. Just spinning your gears, not getting anywhere. God wants to revive you through the life of Jesus Christ. And to speak life over you. And for us to fully be thrived and engaged in our faith. And fully in engaged and in, in thriving in our relationship with God and relationship with others. Amen. So let's read the Easter story again for today. It's been our foundational scripture for the last three weeks. We're going to be in Luke again, chapter 24. We'll read uh, those first nine verses together. So if you brought your Bibles, turn there. And if not, we'll provide it for you on the screens. Let's read it together. It says, So now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as it happened, they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces low to the earth and said to them, Why do you seek for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. If you got your neighbor, say, He's alive. Praise God, he's alive. Put that in the chat today if you're watching with us. He is alive, right? And because there's our promise, because Jesus lives, you and I can have abundant life. Then look what the angel said to them. He says, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered this and his words. And they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven other and all the rest. Just think of that very first Easter that we celebrated even a couple weeks back. At that very moment, everything changed. Everything changed because the Son of God came, He lived, and He fulfilled His purpose. In a moment, everything changed. Jesus brought an end to death. He brought an end to to the grave, he brought an end to sin, Satan, self. You don't have to be under the control of those things anymore if you choose not to be. He came, but we still have to deal with those things. But if you want to put an end to them, you can. You by faith have to trust God and give those things that kill, steal, and destroy to him. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys in a moment... Because the tomb is empty, it must now bow at the name of Jesus. In a moment, when I say everything changed, everything that this world has that can kill, steal, and destroy, in a moment, because Jesus came out of the grave, it must now bow at the name of Jesus. We have to submit it to Jesus, and it will bow. And the good news about the grave being empty for us and for the church is that in that same moment, Jesus has fully equipped us to have everything that you ever need to live in victory. There is victory in Christ and there is victory on the cross, right? So let's look at that first point for today. Last week, if you missed, we talked about the grave, the physical grave, and then our lives, we have all other types and sorts of, of graves that we like to live in, too. We talked about the grave of shame last week and how, how the, the, the grave has a grip, but Jesus has the final say. And shame wants to keep you longer than you want to stay. And shame keeps us separated and divided and cut off from the blessings of God. And shame, it, it, it keeps us. It has a grip on us. And so today, we're going to talk about the grave of sorrow. The grave of sorrow. Y'all say that word with me. Sorrow. And, and we all have a grave of sorrow that we can find ourselves in sometimes too. So look at that first point. It says, Jesus calls us out of the grave of sorrow. Sin, look at this. Sin and shame bring sorrow. And the wages of sin is always death. Sorrow, guys, is a grave. And the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. We're going to read Galatians 6 here in a moment. Excuse me where it says that. But as soon as we read the story of Adam and Eve last week, if you came, right? Who was here last week? Right? We read that story, and as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Sin entered the world, but what else did we see 
as we studied God's word, we saw that shame entered the world. Because it says before they ate of the, the, the fruit, they were naked and unashamed, it said. And then as soon as they ate the fruit, they realized of their nakedness and they felt shame. And so sin and shame together bring about sorrow. And sorrow happens. We're going to talk about two types of sorrow today. We're going to talk about a good godly sorrow. We're also going to talk about a worldly sorrow. And I want to start with the worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow wants to keep you just as shame does. It's it's manifested when we we go against what God has said or we're, we're living our lives not the way God has said. And we have this shame because of our sin, and, and, and shame plus sin equals this sorrow. And it's because there's this, this hole in your life that only Jesus can fill. And I feel this way because of my actions, what I'm doing behind closed doors, right? So that's the kind of sorrow I want to start talking about first with you guys today is, is that type of sorrow because that type of sorrow brings about death. But you say, Pastor E, we just said that we can come out of the grave because Jesus came out of the grave, right? Who believes Jesus is alive? Right? He's alive and so you can live. But what happens? The enemy comes in and he perverts everything all the time, right? And so he uses the sin and the actions that you've chose and he says, look at you. Why did you do that? You're living this way. What happens? We, we, we clothe on shame. So I, I, I see what I've done. I, I feel shame. And then I have this sorrow. Well, maybe I'm unfixable. Maybe God just can't love me. God can bless them. Maybe he can't bless me. Maybe I'm too far gone. And, and then hurting people are, are vulnerable people. When, when we're dealing with pain, we, we make bad decisions. And when you're hurting, you don't necessarily deal with the pain the way God calls us to, and then now I'm off on a whole nother rabbit trail of trying to put band-aids on wounds and sorrow and sin and shame. We talked about how God clothed Adam and Eve last week when he saw their nakedness and their vulnerability and their innocence. They tried to clothe themselves with twigs and berries and fig leaves. It's better than being totally naked, but you still got a lot of things that we try to cover, but the world can see and everyone else can see. And if we bring those dark things into the presence of God, he can appropriately clothe you and cover you and help you and heal you. Because we try and cover what's hurting us. And we stuff those things down And the enemy wants to keep you there. And God just wants to clothe you and cover you and draw you in to help you. Right? So sorrow has a grave. Sorrow happens from all sorts of things, right? Trauma from an event. Somebody hurt you. Somebody spoke over you. Somebody that you probably love and trusted. Right? All sorts of trauma that can happen in our lives that we deal with. Death, especially unexpected death. Losing somebody that you love, that's painful, right? And so we can't, we can't deny our emotions and deny the pain of sorrow. But we have to allow that sorrow to draw us into God instead of keeping us from God. 
And that's exactly how the enemy works, right? He wants to, he wants to dig in at that pain and that sorrow. And he wants to keep you stuck in that grave of sorrow. Because when you're hurting, has anybody been in just some pain? It feels good to just stay there sometimes, right? We get stuck in this, this cycle of pain and no one knows what I'm going through. And it's almost better just to, just to stay here depressed and to not have relationships, to not have to go to church, to not have to fake like everything's all right when really it's not. And I have all these questions, why, why, did, why do I have to go through this? And why does this hurt so much? And no one understands. And you know, God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to come out of that grave today. And you better believe that grave has a grip. But Jesus has the final say, right? When we don't deal with our sorrow in a godly way, we'll sink deeper. Deeper into depression, deeper into death, deeper into sin, deeper into shame and sorrow. Look at Romans 6 there. Verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, it says. We said that sin plus shame equals sorrow. And sin, as we just read, the wages of sin is death. God has promised you life. He's promised you peace. But we have to make a decision. And we have, to, we have to begin to bet on God. The wages, it says, of sin is death. We place bet after bet after bet the wager of our sin. Maybe I can get myself out of this. I'm going to bet on myself again. I can deal with this another day. I'm going to bet on my, my strength, my own strength today. You know what? I got this one friend. He's, he's always pretty. I'm going to bet on their strength for my healing today. How dumb is that? I'm going to bet that they've been in their word so that I can come and get hope from them today. The wages of sin is death, it says. What would happen if you began to place your wager, your faith, your bet, your hope in Jesus every single day? Guess what? You'd have some victory. Because Jesus can't fail. He is victory. He, 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 he's everything that you, that you need in your life. The things that you don't even know that you need God to do. The breakthroughs that you don't even know that you need. Now, you probably see some things, some areas, you're like, I need you to work here, God. And God sees those too. But there's some hidden things that you and I don't even know about ourselves. And guess who sees them? God. He's like, if we can get breakthrough right there, everything else will break through. The floodgates, so to speak, of heaven. The floodgates of, of blessing can begin to, to flood our lives. So let him fight the battle. Man, some of you guys are worn out. Worn out. I can be, I'm guilty of this too somehow. I, I try and fight these same battles over and over again. And I, at the end of it, I'm always discouraged, right? Why do I feel like this? Because I'm wearing myself out. Trying to do it in my own way. Right? Trying to, trying to cover it up. Trying to, trying to fight the battle. Trying to make make. What God wants to happen, I'm trying to, trying to do God's job for him. And I experience shame and sin and I experience sorrow. 
all the, all the while, God's like, bring it to me first. Before you get off on all the crazy rabbit trails, bring it to me and we can work on this. We can, we can, we can work. Sometimes we have to wait, but God, if you bring it to him, he immediately begins to work on it for us. So look at that next point. So sin and death creates loss. Right? We're talking about sorrow. We often grieve, grieve over the things that we lose. We got spiritual loss, physical loss, relational loss, financial loss. And Satan, look at this. Satan uses the trap, uses, excuse me, sorrow to trap us in a cycle of sowing and reaping. I'll elaborate on that here in a moment. That brings continual corruption. So Satan uses sorrow to, to trap us. I was kind of talking about that already. Shame the same way, right? When we experience shame, he wants to keep us. When we experience sorrow, sometimes I almost feel like we're almost addicted to the pain. Because it's almost better for me to just to deal with it by myself than have to, to open up to others and especially even open up to God. And it's almost easier for me to just to feel pain by myself. And so the enemy, he, he sets up camp there, right? And say, Satan uses sorrow to, to trap us. When you're, when you're living in the grave of sorrow, you're very vulnerable, and hurting people make bad decisions. That's why we have a drug epidemic in our nation. We're addicted to all sorts of things, because in reality, everyone is spiritually hurting, and we're all trying to medicate a spiritual issue with things that the world can prescribe us. We're trying to cover up all these hurts, trauma, events, sorrow, and we, we try to medicate those spiritual issues with things that the world has to give us. And the world has a lot of answers to a lot of your problems, right? Just drink this. Just take that. Just watch this. Hey, just buy this. Just do this. Hey, just read this book. And so hurting people make bad decisions. What could happen if when you experience sorrow or you experience a traumatic event or experience pain, if you had a circle of uh, the body of Christ, uh, if you're a member of, of, of a living, breathing church, you're called to be a member of the living church, so the body of Christ, if you had people that you could, that you could text, that you could call that could surround you and help you. And also... Bring that hurt and pain before God, right? Him and others that can help. And so look how Satan even uses God's word against us. How did, how did Satan tempt Jesus in the desert? Who knows? With God's word, right? See, Satan, he wants to be like God, but guess what? He's not God. And so he understands the value of this. He understands that if God spoke it, it has to be. It's, it's, it's truth. It's, it's reality. And the, the law of sowing and reaping is just as real as the law of gravity that keeps us stuck here. <laughs> so we're not floating around. That's a real thing, right? It's gravity. It's, it's invisible, but it's real. It's, it has a tangible effect. God's word is just the same. And so even the devil recognizes this. And when he sets up camp in your painful places, he understands that if you're living in the sin of sorrow... That what you sow in that season of sorrow is what you're going to reap. Sowing and reaping. Right? If you sow of the flesh, of the flesh you will reap. If you sow of the spirit, of the spirit 
you will reap. So look at Galatians 6, 8. It says, I just read it. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So how do we know if we've come out of the grave? How do we know if we're actually maturing in our faith as believers and as children of God? You can ask yourself this question. When I'm experiencing pain, what am I sowing? When I'm hurt, what am I sowing? Am I sowing anything? Because in those painful places, when you're angry, when you're hurt, when you're upset, when you're feeling hopeless, how do you live? What, what, are, what, what are your responses, so to speak? Because that shows us how we live, right? And if I'm, if I'm living in pain, if I'm in a painful place, and I'm still sowing by faith, sowing God's word, sowing prayer, sowing good godly relationships, I'm experiencing pain, but I'm, I'm using it in a godly way to sow of the Spirit, right? If I sow by the Spirit of the Spirit, I will reap. But if I'm hurting and I'm painful, and you know what? They hurt me, so what do I do? I turn around, and then I hurt them with my words. What are you sowing? You're sowing of the flesh. You're getting back at them, right? And so of the flesh, you will reap corruptible things. You will reap death. I don't want to reap death. Anybody else? I want to reap some of that good good, some of that life. Abundant life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love, long-suffering. I need those things. And so when I'm hurt, I have to continue to sow. So if you're in a painful place, are you sowing? And I know sometimes we have to live off the harvest of yesterday. How do you get through the winter? You live off the harvest from the fall, right? But guess what? Eventually that's going to run out. Eventually, you're going to run out of spiritual fruit and spiritual seeds. That's why you have to be sowing every single day in every single season so that, guess what? You don't run on empty so that you can continue to reap of the Spirit the hope and the light of God and the hope and the life of Christ. Amen? Look at Galatians. Oh, excuse me. Let's skip to that next point. So I said I wanted to talk about worldly sorrow and godly sorrow today. Look, worldly sorrow, it brings death. But godly sorrow brings life because it produces repentance. Grieving loss is a part of the healing process, but it's not intended to be <clears throat> a way of life. We can't totally just ignore our emotions, right? We can't totally ignore our feelings, I think sometimes we as Christians think, well, if I, to live by faith, I just have to ignore how I feel. We almost feel guilty if we feel anger or we feel jealousy or we feel these emotions. And it's, it's not the sin of experiencing those emotions, guys. It becomes sin with how we deal with it. Did you know that? And so when you experience those corruptible things, those things that the enemy wants to use to, to, to wedge himself through the door of your life, 
And then when you open the door to him, then guess what? He sets up camp. And so that's the type of worldly sorrow that brings about death. Because that's how the world operates, right? They did that to you, do that to them. Get yours however way that you can. Step over people, don't help people. Do you, right? If it feels good today, then do it. If it looks good today, then do it. Love them as long as they make you feel loved. Right? That's, that, that's a lie. That's, that's, that, that, that's worldly sorrow that, that brings about death. Worldly sorrow brings death. Why? Because it validates those feelings I'm talking about. Worldly sorrow validates your opinions and your feelings and your emotions. See, I experienced this. And so you know what? I am right. And they are wrong. And so you know what? I'm going this way. I'm going to do this. Godly sorrow is the opposite of that. It don't validate your opinion. And it validates his opinion. Godly sorrow validates God's opinion, his word. And in worldly sorrow, there's no hope. It wants to keep you in, in godly sorrow. There is always hope, and because there's always hope, it leads to life through repentance. Through repentance. Look at 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for godly sorrow produces repentance. There's that word. Leading to salvation, life. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. In godly sorrow, there is still hope. Even if you've lost somebody that you love the most, if you know the truth of who your God is, the pain doesn't automatically go away, right? You still hurt because you lost them, but there's still hope because you know it's in His hands. Worldly sorrow would totally flip that. A lot of people would say, as you're going through grieving a loss, man, this stinks. This hurts. Why would somebody so young die like that? Somebody might even come alongside them and say, why would a good God do something like that? Why would a good God allow something like that to happen? Not just to them, but to me. And then if you surround your, your life with people like that, they just feed that. Why would a good God allow you to experience this? He doesn't love you. This is the exact opposite of love. Before we know it, because that's not godly sorrow, that's worldly sorrow. Right? Look at that last point for today. And I want you to see that in worldly sorrow, there is nothing but anger and despair. Worldly sorrow, it produces death, justification, and blame. Say that word with me, blame. You know who the biggest blamer is? Satan himself. 
But blame makes me feel better. If I can find somebody to blame for why I'm feeling this way, then I can feel better. If I can find something to blame on why I'm going through this, I can feel better. Right? Look what that last point says. Jesus calls us out of the grave of sorrow. Godly sorrow grieves loss and acknowledges sin, but it refuses to do those things. It refuses to justify and blame others. Right? Godly sorrow produces repentance, sparking a change of mind that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow sees the loss. It experiences the loss. But you know what? It gives that loss to God. Worldly sorrow sees that loss. We experience that loss, and i got to justify why this happened. I have to find blame on why this happened. And another thing that worldly sorrow does is it makes you a victim. God wants you to live in victory. See, if I live for God, I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. I experience bad things, but it doesn't make me a victim. And isn't it crazy how our world, does it feel like we celebrate victims all day long, every day? The more painful things that you've been through, the more we celebrate you. And Now, I'm not saying if somebody's going through something hard, love on them, right? Speak truth to them. Encourage them. But I feel like we've made victimhood like this celebratory thing. Like, oh my gosh, somebody cut me off at the red light on my way to the work. They messed up my whole day. And oh, it's okay, you're a victim, right? We become victims over even the tiniest, itty-bitty little things. And God calls you a victor in Jesus' name. He doesn't want you wallowing in pity, wallowing in sorrow, wallowing in doubt, wallowing in hopelessness. He wants you to be a victor in Jesus Christ. And guess what? These are two totally different mindsets. And you can have the mind of Christ today if you want. You can see yourself as a victor because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave on the cross and in the empty tomb. And I can see myself as a victim every single day, stuck in my sorrow, stuck in my shame, stuck in my sin. Or I can see myself as a victor in Jesus' name because God loves me, because God's for me. And guess what? Because I'm not in that that season of pain, I'm not in that, that season of winter, so to speak, by myself. Guess who's there with you if you want him to be? You just got to open the door to him. He's knocking, right, like we said in worship today. If you open the door, guess what? He comes in. And he comes and dwells with you. And he even comforts you in those painful places. Right? Look at Psalms 34, 17 through 19. I feel like this is a, this is a word from somebody, for somebody today. You need to see this, read this, you need to write this down. If you're in a, a desperate place today, in a place of despair, you need this promise from God. Look what David pens in Psalms 34, 17 through 19. The Lord hears his people when they what? Call to him for what? Help. If you need help, call on Jesus. If you need help, call his name. He rescues them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those spirits who are crushed. Sounds like sorrow to me. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. It doesn't say the righteous are exempt from troubles. I feel like we buy that little lie too. I'm living for Jesus, so my day better just like flow, right? I better be like gravy train today as I love you, Jesus, right? That's the exact opposite, right? Because we, we have faith in Jesus, that doesn't exempt us from tests and trials, but what it does do is it's supposed to raise the bar in our lives when I experience those painful things you, that say, you know what? My faith is not going to waver because I'm a victor in Jesus. I have the victory in what Christ has done. I, I hide my life in his life. And because he's victorious, Holy Spirit, help me. And because he's victorious, he, his victory is mine through me. Does that make sense? His victory can be yours. But it's in, that, it's in those small, still moments when you have to give him permission to, to, to lead, to lead your, your words and to lead your, your mind and to lead your steps. It's in those moments where you can have victory. It says that he hears. His people, when he calls, when they call to him for help. So you can have peace today. You can know without a doubt. You can trust that if you are hurting, God hears you. The answer is, if you're hurting, have you called to him? Or have you called to other things? If you're hurting, he hears you if you call for help. You can trust that God sees you. You can trust that if it hurts you, it grieves him. Because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, we have to experience hard things. We have to experience things where people will hurt us. I did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong, and they still hurt you. Why would they do that? We have people killing people. That's because sin and in the world, shame, and in the world. And because sin and shame enter the world, we have to experience sorrow. And because of those three things, Jesus had to come. We don't have to live in the grave of sin, shame, and sorrow anymore. You can come out. Ask your neighbor if you got one. Have you come out yet? If you got two neighbors, have you come out yet? I hope you come out. Because the grave has a grip. Jesus has the final say. Who knows what Matthew 5, 4 says? It's part of the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You can trust that God sees you, that God hears you, and you can trust based on what Jesus said, not what Pastor Ian said, in Matthew 5, 4, if you mourn, you're blessed, and you will be comforted. So you can trust that you're not alone because Jesus says he comforts you. And he also says that you're blessed because he sees you. He experienced, on the cross, Jesus experienced all the pain that you would experience in your life. 
And so he knows exactly what you're feeling and even deeper why you're feeling it. You may be here today and you've been in such a painful place and hurting for so long and, and, and hurting so hard, you don't even, you can't even remember why you feel the way that you feel. You've lost track and sight of why you hurt so bad. The Holy Spirit's a helper, and guess what? He can magnify that, that hurt. This is why. And when I know why, now I can deal with it, and God can help me. Amen? Can you all pray with me as we get ready to close? I feel like as I'm getting ready to close, I want to pray for, for some folks before I open up for a salvation call. If you're here today, and maybe you're going through some painful things or you're going through a painful season, you have questions and you have doubt, I just feel maybe like the Holy Spirit's prompting me to pray for you today. And so as we're all praying... I want you to bow your heads and just get still before the Lord. No one's going to look at you, but if, 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 if you need his peace today over this pain, I just want you to lift your hands up. If there's anybody in here that needs, and there's hands going up, just keep them up for a few, few seconds here. I want you just to listen to my voice and, and focus on him. God, I see these hands, people that I love, people that I know, and I don't even know them to the extent that you do. I care for these hands and these souls and these faces. And I love these hands and faces, but you love them even more. And so I'll pray right now you may lower those hands. As I lifted those hands, that they would take, grab a hold of this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray you would shine a light on that hurt or that painful thing or that offense whatever it is. And I pray right now they'd have the faith to let it go. Let it go and put it under the blood. Under the blood of Christ. Trust and faith that I'm no longer a victim. But I'm a victor in Jesus' name. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill that vacated place as they let go of pride and the validation of having to be right where the enemy has encamped themselves and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd move in and you'd minister love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, and long-suffering in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray you'd seal that over these hands today. And if you're here today, you say, Pastor Ian, I heard a lot of things you had to say. and Maybe something the Lord said through me today just showed you that you and God are not on good terms right now. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer to accept Christ in your life, but that has to be the starting place. There has to be a moment in time in your life where you say, you know what, I'm not God. I'm not God. I want to invite God into my life so that he can begin to, to change my life. And your life of faith is something that happens over time. In a moment, he moves into your heart, but over time, your life begins to transform. And so if you're either watching us online today or you're here in our sanctuary and you say, Pastor Ian, I want to, I want to make that step today. 
I want to invite God into my heart. I want to invite Jesus into my life. I want to to invite you right now. That that time has come. If you say, I want to do that, I want you right now, if you're in our sanctuary, I want you to, to stand up. Either lift your hand or stand up right now. Have the faith that says, I want to pray that prayer to begin changing my life for God's glory. I'm going to give you a few seconds to raise your hand or stand up today. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat for us, please, if you're saying that prayer with us. You could be watching this live. You could be watching this a week from now. I don't know. I don't care. Just put something in there to say, I'm praying this today to accept Jesus. Amen. A few seconds. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. Because somebody's making this prayer today in their hearts. Let's say it together. I'll lead us. It's going to go like this. So, Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we trust you with our lives. We believe that Jesus came to die for my sins and rise on the third day so that I could have life and life abundant. So forgive me my sins. Forgive me my past and send the Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand. Amen. Well, we're so glad you guys came and had church with us. Anybody glad you came today? Yep, we're glad you came too, amen. Come back and see us next week. Bring somebody to church if you want. Uh, Y'all are dismissed. Hey, don't forget, next week we're celebrating after church. We're going to eat good. We're going to hang out, play games. So invite somebody to church next week. It's going to be awesome, amen. Y'all are dismissed.